Welcome to the Everything ECU Podcast. I'm your host, Carla Ward, and I want to tell you about a weird quirk of mine that totally benefits me as an early childhood educator. But first, I'll share a thought. So far, in my opinion, I've had a fairly unique ECE journey. People hear early childhood education and automatically and logically assume childcare. And while a lot of my career has been in childcare, I have also found myself working in high schools, albeit still with preschoolers, but along high school students taking family studies courses. Because of that past experience, I was recently invited to speak to a high school parenting class about working with children zero to six. I decided to take the perspective of teaching these students how important play is for children in the early years. I did this by rolling up with a giant container of loose parts and having the teenagers play for a morning. What was fascinating was how they played. They all went for the pipe cleaners. There was very little creativity, which I thought was fascinating. This experience reminds me of the power that observation has and, of course, why play is so important. And this, my friend, plays right into one of my favorite pastimes and one of my many, many quirks, and that is people watching. There is nothing I love more than to sit down at a cafe or restaurant and watch people. Creepy, right? I know it is, but you can learn so much when you are quiet and just watch. If I could have a superpower, it would totally be invisibility, just so I didn't have to be so subtle in my watching. Today's podcast episode is all about observation and why it's important. So often in the early childhood field, we learn how to document, and that is so, so, so important. I have quite a few episodes on documenting, but before we can document, we have to observe. There are many ways to observe a child. Now, what's interesting to me is the different interpretations of what observing is. To me, observing is taking in what is in front of you. Of course, we can't be expected to memorize everything we see. So observation crosses over a little into documenting with methods such as anecdotal records, running records, learning stories, jotting, sociograms, photographs, and work samples. What's interesting is that depending on where you look, those methods fall under observation or documentation. So for the purpose of this podcast episode, I'm going to leave those methods as crossovers and documenting tools and talk more about how to observe from a social science perspective. According to Merriam-Webster, the word observation can be defined as an act of recognizing and noting a fact or occurrence, often involving measurement with instruments or a record of description so obtained. In sociological research, observation is the method by which researchers study the ongoing behavior of their participants or subjects. And while I know this is not quite the definition we use in early childhood education, I'd like to challenge the idea and say that we should be. Educators are researchers, and while I'd prefer not to call our students subjects, they are participants in a program, are they not? So here we go. Observation is a research method. In early childhood education, it is how we get to know our students, learn their strengths and areas of challenge, and in turn, learn how best to support them and discover their interests so that we can support their learning. Through my research, I've discovered that there is a ton of different observation strategies. I have included some of them on my website at elfoundations.com 86. 
The ones I think are most applicable are naturalistic observation, participant observation, structured observation, case studies, and archival research. Naturalistic observation is used to observe people in their natural setting. Participant observation involves becoming an active member of the group being observed. Structured observation involves coding a small number of behaviors in a quantitative manner. Case studies are typically used to collect in-depth information on a single individual, and archival research involves analyzing existing data. I like these five because they do cover all types of observations we do as ECEs, especially if you've ever worked alongside a resource worker or a psychologist who is supporting you and a student in your program who is struggling with a certain skill or behavior. The naturalistic observation method is what we typically use in our day-to-day as ECs. When we are engaged in naturalistic observation, we are usually making out observations as unobtrusively as possible so that the children are not aware that they're being observed. With participant observation, we are right in there with our students. We are asking the children questions and gathering information from the child themselves. With both naturalistic observation and participant observation, we take notes based on our observations and interactions, and we take photographs and other artifacts to support those observations. Now, structured observation is a little bit different to our scope of early childhood. This one is usually done away from the child's natural environment and is careful observation of one or more specific behavior in a particular setting. So this observation is often the case if a student is receiving testing from a therapist or psychologist. We wouldn't generally incorporate this into our practice, but it is something that some of our students might experience and it's important for us to know the type of observation they might be experiencing. The same goes for case studies. It's an in-depth examination of an individual with detailed description and analysis. Most commonly used in psychology, however, I have done a case study on a student. This is not something that is done during program time if you are the sole teacher. You will need coverage in your program in order to effectively do an in-depth observation of a child. Like many observational research methods, case studies tend to be more qualitative, And also the bulk of the case study report will focus on descriptions of the child rather than statistic analyses. You can, however, use quantitative data to support your case study. So in my case, I observed a child over multiple days and incorporated information from the school's data, psychoeducational assessments, and teacher observations. I observed the child in extreme detail from the motion of their head when looking at something to how their eyes moved when looking at the paper to how they held a crayon and so on. I did this in conjunction with a naturalistic and participant observation. By the time I was done, I had a full view of the child's strengths, weaknesses, and areas for growth and how their teacher could support them. Now, finally, the last observation method is archival research, also known as observational research, which involves analyzing data that's been collected for something else. This is definitely more research-based, where we as educators might take data on, say, play, and then use that information to expand our observations of play and then analyze and draw conclusions. Maybe we want to count how many times children are drawn to a book over technology and compare it to data already collected 
to see if children's attraction to, to technology versus books has increased or decreased. This type of observation would not be done in a typical classroom setting, but it is certainly something to think about as you progress in your ECE journey. So, in our childcare programs, the observations that are the simplest would be naturalistic and participant observation. And I want to challenge you to start using that vocabulary because it levels up the importance of observation and its role in early childhood education. Is it what you're already doing? Absolutely. But to people that have no idea about what goes on inside our programs, explaining observations will shed more light on the importance of what we do. When you write up your documentation, even include the type of observation that took place. Observations will help guide you to not only get to know your students and help you program plan, but it also helps you note changes in behaviors, positively or negatively. If you have a child that is new to childcare and being away from home for the first time, you may note over time that your observations track the child's behavior and their comfort level in the classroom. You can then use this information should you choose to do a case study. Why did this progression happen? What changed? The same can be done in the opposite direction. If you have a child that started out happy, able to make choices and played well with others to suddenly becoming distant or picking fights with others, you have observations that track that behavior and will support you as you deep dive to support the child. Maybe there's a new sibling at home and there's an element of jealousy, or maybe something else has happened in this child's life. Documentation is an incredibly powerful tool in early childhood education, and as the first five years are the most crucial, that documentation helps you set children up for success. As I mentioned earlier, I've included a bunch of website links on today's podcast notes that talk about different types of observation if you want to dive a little deeper. You can find them at elfoundations.com 86. I hope that the next time you head into your classroom, you consciously know what type of observation strategy you will be using. Until next time, happy observing! <music>